Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, it's very clear here from what Judah is saying here and how the whole focus of this chapter is changing now. We really got our focus on one of the brothers. Obviously, we know who that is. When you look at the 11 brothers now, there in Canaan. There's only one brother who's the most special to Joseph, and that brother is Benjamin. Okay, Benjamin, right. So the focus now is on Benjamin. All eyes are on Benjamin. And there's one word that Judah says in verse 3 that shows how important Benjamin is right now. Can you pick out a word in verse 3 that shows how important Benjamin was at that time? You got to look at it. Except it's except. It's except. That's it. Except. The word except shows just how important Benjamin was to have with them. The word except shows how much hinged on whether or not Benjamin was with them. As a matter of fact, you could say this whole chapter is about Benjamin. This is a chapter about Benjamin. I mean, Judah reported to Jacob that the man had solemnly protested and been emphatic that Benjamin had to be with them in order for them to be accepted. Now, why was Benjamin so special to Joseph? He was his only full brother, full brother, right? You know, Jacob refers to him as as the sons of Rachel. So he was the only brother that he was the most closely related to Joseph because they had the same mother and father, obviously. And, And he had the closest, obvious relationship with Benjamin, So this chapter is all about how important Benjamin is to Joseph. Now we're going to see from some verses here in this chapter several reasons why Benjamin was important. Now look at verse 3. We're going to start off with verse 3. What in verse 3 shows us how important Benjamin was? Very simple question. What in verse 3 shows how important Benjamin was? That's it. No Benjamin, no face. <laughs> no Benjamin, no face. Okay. So the first reason why Benjamin is so important is that Benjamin gave the brothers acceptance with Joseph. Benjamin made them able to see Joseph. That's the first reason. That's the first reason why Benjamin is so important. Now there's a second reason why Benjamin is important, and it's found in verses 3 and 4 together. 3 and 4 together. So... Why is he so important from verses 3 and 4 together? Yeah, if you send them, we'll go. If you don't send them, we won't go. We will go. We will not go. So this word will, you send them, we will. You don't send them, we will not. 
So the brothers were not willing to go without Benjamin. So Benjamin made the brothers willing to go to Joseph. Benjamin, this is the second reason, Benjamin gave the brothers a willingness to go to Joseph. That's the second reason. Third reason why Benjamin is so important is in verse 8. What is it that's brought out in verse 8 that, that shows the importance of Benjamin? It's a real issue of what? It's an issue of life and death. Send, verse 8, send the lad with me that we may live and not die. So Benjamin with or Benjamin without them determined whether or not the brothers would live or die. Benjamin, that's the third reason. Benjamin determined life and death for the brothers. Okay, now the fourth reason why Benjamin is so important is in verse 16. Verse 16 shows us why Benjamin is so important. Why was they, they're obviously down now in Egypt. But because of Benjamin, what does it say that happened? Verse 16. Why was Benjamin so important in verse 16? Dying? Dying, dying, right, dying, exactly. See, in verse 16, it says, when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said, bring these men home. These men shall dine with me. These men shall eat with me. So when Joseph saw Benjamin, he said, okay, now they're going to be brought home with me, and they're going to eat with me. So Benjamin gave the brothers an entrance into Joseph's home and, and fellowship, you know, because it says they were happy. Now, that's the fourth reason. The fourth reason why he's so important. Okay, now, there's another reason, and it's in verses 29 through 30. 29 through 30 shows us how important Benjamin was. What is brought out about the importance of Benjamin in these two verses, 29 and 30? Sort of mentioned it already a little bit. Yeah, it was his brother. When, see, when it says there in verse 29, he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin. Then it goes on to say, his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep. When Joseph saw Benjamin, his heart went out, and he cried. So when the brothers came with Benjamin, the brothers came with the brother that was the most loved. That's the point. He was the most loved of the brothers. And the last reason, the sixth reason why Benjamin was so important is what's found in verse 34. What does it say in verse 34 that shows us why Benjamin, or how Benjamin, how important Benjamin was? He got five times the meal. So <laughs> he got five times. He was probably the littlest guy there, but he got the most. I don't know. But anyway, but he got five times as much as theirs. His portion was five times. That showed that Benjamin was the most honored of all the brothers. Now, let's put this all together. So here we have these 11 brothers here, and there's one brother, and it was Benjamin. And this one brother gave the other brothers acceptance with Joseph. There was one brother, Benjamin. This brother made the other brothers willing to go to Joseph. This brother determined life and death for the other brothers. This brother gave the brothers entrance into Joseph's home with the fellowship. Why? Because this one brother was the most loved brother by Joseph, and this brother was also the most honored brother by Joseph. Among the brothers of Benjamin, this brother made them accepted, made them willing to go, made it determine whether or not they would live or die, gave them entrance into the home and fellowship there, and he was the most loved, he was the most honored. Six very important points about the importance of Benjamin in this chapter. 
Those six points are a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ among the Jewish people and God the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ is like Benjamin, and Joseph is like God the Father. So just as Benjamin was one of the brothers, the Lord Jesus Christ is one of the Jewish, he's a man among the Jewish people. The Bible identifies the Lord Jesus Christ among the Jewish people as one of their own. In John 1.11, John 1.11, he came unto his own, his own received him not. And just as there was one special brother among the brothers, Benjamin, so there's one special man among the men, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that was so special. This is what was so special about Benjamin. It was what Benjamin did for the brothers. And that's what's so special about the Lord Jesus Christ for man. It's what he does for man. Just as in verse 3, the brothers could not be brought in to Joseph's face without Benjamin. No man can be brought in to God the Father without the Lord Jesus Christ. As it says in Jude one twenty four. Jude 24, it says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Nobody presents themselves before God. A person must be presented by the Lord Jesus Christ. And then just as in verses 3 and 4, the brothers were only willing to go to Joseph as long as they had Benjamin, the same with us. We're only willing to go to God, as it says in Hebrews 10, 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Mount Sinai, when you look at the Jewish people, they ran away from God in fear. They said to Moses, you go, we're not going. And they ran away. But with the Lord Jesus Christ, it says in Hebrews 10, 19, we have a boldness, we have a boldness to come to God. Now, just as in verse 8, Benjamin was the with or without person that determined life or death, whether they would live or die, so the Lord Jesus Christ alone determines whether a person will live eternally or die eternally. As he said at the resurrection of Lazarus in John eleven twenty five, John eleven twenty five, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then in Romans 6.23, Romans 6.23, where it explains the, the bad news, the wages of sin is death. But then it goes on to says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And 1 John 5.11 couldn't make it clearer. 1 John 5.11 says, this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. This life is in his Son. Very simply put, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Eternal life depends simply on whether or not a person has the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as in verses 29 and 30, Benjamin opened the door into the home of Joseph so they could come into his home and have this fellowship, so the Lord Jesus Christ opens the door for us to come into the Father's house for eternal fellowship with God, as he said in John 14, 2. John 14, 2 is when he said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And then he, when he was praying to the Father, in John 17, 24, John 17, 24, the Lord said, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. 
that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. So all these verses show us it's the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one who opens heaven's doors and makes heaven our home so we can have this happy fellowship, which we see in this chapter with Joseph. We can have a happy fellowship with God. And then just as in verses 29 and 30, Benjamin was the most loved by Joseph, so God the Father loves the Lord Jesus Christ supremely. In John 335, John 335, where he said, the father loveth the son and had given all things into his hand. And then Proverbs 830, Proverbs 830 describes this love relationship when they're together, God the son and God the father. When it says in Proverbs 830, the Lord is speaking, the Lord Jesus, then I was by him as one brought up with him. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. And then in Matthew 317, when God the Father broke through with the voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, whom I well pleased. God the Father looks at the Lord Jesus Christ and is overjoyed with him. And just as in verse 34, Benjamin was the most honored by getting five times more food, so the Lord Jesus Christ is the most honored by God the Father when it says in John 8, 54, Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me of whom you say he is your God. God the Father looks at the Lord Jesus Christ as a man and honors him, and there's a phrase that's used to describe how he honors him in Psalm 45, 7, Psalm 45, 7, where God the Father is speaking to the Lord Jesus and says, thou lovest righteousness, hatest wickedness, therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows, above thy fellows, that's the phrase. So have we seen the importance of Benjamin here? And now we come to verses four and five, where Judah again emphasizes the Benjamin factor is very important when he says, but if thou will not send him, we will not go. For the man said unto us, verse five, you shall not see my face except your brother be with you. Starts off when talking, Judah does verse three. He says the same words. You shall not see my face except your brother be with you. And then he repeats them when he finishes. Judah finishes. Verse 5, saying the same thing. Now, Jacob replies now in verse 6, Israel said, Wherefore have you dealt so ill with me as to tell whether you had a brother? So his response now is one of anger over his sons telling the man he had another brother. He's really mad at his sons. And at this point, he's mad because they told him that he had another brother. And Jacob is just overwhelmed with this anger about this. And he can't think of anything else. I mean, this anger that Jacob has over his sons telling them that uh, he had another son. It just has drained Jacob of his ability to be reasonable. I mean, he thinks that his sons told this man that he had another son, and how could he do this? Now he's going to lose Benjamin. It's just, it's fueling this raging fire inside of Jacob. Can't you see Jacob now? He's losing sleep over this. You know, he can't think of his sons. You know, and he's saying, if only his sons hadn't, said to Benjamin, then I wouldn't be forced to let Benjamin go. Now that's Jacob's state. He's really angry. He's really anxious. Now take one step back. And why was it foolish for Jacob to be blaming his sons for telling the man that he had another brother? Why was that foolish? Was it foolish for Jacob to be angry and, and anxious about his sons telling him that they had another brother? Who was that man they were telling that to? <laughs> You think that he didn't know that? Jacob's worried about this man finding out that he has another son, that Jacob has another son. 
That's Benjamin we're talking about. That's his only full brother. I mean, Jacob is consumed in anger. He's consumed in anxiety over the fact that his sons told Joseph that he had another brother. (laughs) That's foolish, right? And we see it's foolish for Jacob to be so angry and anxious over revealing that there was another brother. But Jacob, he doesn't see it as foolish. He feels totally justified. And the reason is because he doesn't know. Jacob doesn't know that the man is Joseph. And that's why he's all caught up in this worry and anxiety and in anger. Because he doesn't know that the man is really Joseph. Now, that picture of Joseph foolishly worrying and being anxious that the man found out that he had another son is a picture for us. The only reason we worry and are anxious most of the time is because like Jacob, we can't see everything. Just like Jacob, we don't know everything. And that's the reason for most of our worries. We only worry because of what we can't see, what we can't know. It was foolish for Jacob to worry about his sons telling the man that they had another brother. It's foolish for us to worry also most of what we worry about. I think I told you this, right? When somebody told me that I worry too much and waste time, I answered, no, I don't, because most of what I worry about doesn't happen, (laughs) which proves my worrying is not a waste of time. (laughs) Anyway, so the solution to our problem of worrying and anxiety is to dwell in the fact God knows everything. That's a great relief valve. It makes all the difference between worrying and being anxious, just the fact that God knows everything. Just that little phrase, God knows everything. It makes the difference. It made the difference this last week with a Dr. John. Oh, I have a picture of him too. Here's Dr. John. There he is. So Dr. John is a Jewish doctor who has a medical degree from Scotland And he has two other university degrees. He speaks four different languages. He's an expert in the field of biomedical electronics and neurophysiology. And it was through his scientific studies that Dr. John understood that there's a creator God. As a matter of fact, he has a television program, and it's called Divine Physics. So when our summer blitzers told Dr. John that God knows everything, just that, they told him God knows everything, Dr. John was amazed with that simple fact that God knows everything. And he knew that he didn't know God personally and he wanted to. It took, again, three visits from the summer blitzers before the explanation of the gospel just clicked and the light went on. He received the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Dr. John made his decision to receive the Lord Jesus as his God and Savior based on the fact that God knows everything. And then he, in humility, He followed them in the sinner's prayer. That was very humiliating for Dr. John. Why? Because those summer blitzers were young enough to be his grandchildren. (laughs) And they led him to surrender his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Tim was quoting this morning in the breaking of the bread, when it says, the children shall turn the hearts of the fathers. And so this is what happened there to the Lord. And because that, and because they did that, now he's a friend of God, friend of the great creator who knows everything. And so who would have known that behind those eyes is a soul that's, that's looking for the, for the God who knows everything. Okay, now that was the key for Dr. John, and that was the key for Jacob to not be all worried. And that's the key for us to not be worried and anxious, just to dwell on the fact God, he knows everything, and Romans 8.31 tells us that he's for us. Now in verse 6, Jacob has blamed all his sons for telling the man that he had another son that was at home. So notice in verse 7, how all the sons now respond to Jacob 
It's not just Judah now in verse seven. It's all of them. They said, the man asked us straightly of our state and of our kindred, saying, is your father yet alive? Have you another brother? We told them according to the tenor of these words. Could we know certainly they'd say, bring your son, brother down. Now, there's a real argument going on here between the sons that are justifying themselves for telling that he had another brother and Jacob that's really hot on them. But they're saying, well, yeah, but you don't know the kind of interrogation we were under down there. And so uh, we didn't know he was going to say that. And now we see Judah now take the lead again in verse 8. Judah takes the lead in verse 8 and says, Judah said unto Israel his father, send the lad with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. Okay, let me ask you a question. How old is Joseph now? About? Yeah, somewhere around 40. Okay. Benjamin is seven years younger than uh, Joseph. How old does that make Benjamin? Around 33. Okay. He's around 33. Why does Judah call this 33-year-old Benjamin a lad? There's two words in Hebrew, yelled, which is like a child, you know. But there's Na'ar, which is a boy before adolescence. It's like a boy. So why does Judah call Benjamin a boy? Why would Judah call a 33-year-old man a boy? Okay, because Jacob thinks that way. And that's how Judah saw Jacob treating Benjamin. That's how Jacob thinks him that way. That's how Judah saw Jacob treating Benjamin, like a little boy. You know, Jacob clung to Benjamin as the last son of Rachel, and he was especially fond of him. He was especially affectionate to him, and the other brothers saw it. So Judah calls the 33-year-old man, Benjamin, a young boy before adolescence. And that's revealing to us because it shows us here that Judah doesn't really appreciate Benjamin the same way that he doesn't appreciate him the same way that Jacob appreciates him. So again, Joseph and Benjamin are the sons of Rachel, and the rest of the brothers all know that Jacob loved Rachel more than their mothers. And so Jacob loved the sons of Rachel more than all of them. And that meant that Judah and the rest of the brothers envied Joseph and Benjamin. The fact that Judah is here calling this 33-year-old man, Benjamin, a boy, is revealing that old envy again, for the sons of Rachel. So the brothers know that their only hope of surviving is in Benjamin coming with them, but they don't appreciate Benjamin or Joseph for that matter. And it's come out here by calling him a boy. It's going to take some time for the brothers to come around to love the sons of Rachel. Hope they do. But anyway, Pilate knew why the chief priests delivered the Lord Jesus to be crucified in Mark 15.10. Mark 15.10 where it says, for he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. And for some Jewish people, it's just going to take some time for them to get over this and to come to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's what we'll finish today, and then we'll continue next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your patience and for your grace, because when we look at all these things happening here, we wouldn't be that gracious, Lord, confessingly to you but that's what makes you God and us not. And so we thank you, Lord, for the great grace of God to continue to accept, love, and guide, and lead to repentance. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages 
can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.